Today we're back to our monthly series. Uh, you guys remember what that monthly series is about? Prayer. Yes, prayer. So let's turn our Bibles if you have them, uh, or you can turn to the screen, although I do recommend that you turn to your Bible because we will be looking quite at quite a few of passages and uh, we want you to be grounded in actually where you're reading from the scripture. So if you can turn to Matthew chapter 6, Matthew chapter 6, um, we will begin from verse 5, and uh, I will finish reading off in verse 15. Uh, can I invite us to read it together? It's a very familiar passage because we've been studying this for months now. Let's read from verse 5. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. So let's, let's read together. For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. For seven. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray then like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Let's pray again. Father, this morning we ask that you send your Spirit uh, to enlighten and open the eyes of our hearts this morning and to see and understand your word and how it can be applied in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So let's, let's first be reminded of the context of this prayer. Here, Jesus is teaching his disciples a very practical lesson of how to pray. Not just to pray or when to pray, but how to pray. And even though many of us call this the Lord's Prayer, as, as per tradition, really it's not the Lord who prays this prayer. It is Him who teaches the disciple to pray this prayer. It is the disciple's prayer to the Father. In other words, this is a prayer made by Christians, not by an unbeliever, but by a Christian. You see, followers of Christ are people who acknowledge that God is their Father in heaven. They affirm that God's name should be considered holy, and they desire God's kingdom to come and His will be done. And after that, the prayer teaches us to acknowledge God as the source of our physical sustenance. That's what we went through last month. The verse we'll focus on this morning is verse 12. It says, and forgive our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. 
Matthew also then include a footnote, starting uh, in verse 14. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Today's sermon title um, is Forgive to be Forgiven. Forgive to be forgiven. And the main point or the main spiritual principle we will focus on today is this. Forgiving others is necessary to receive forgiveness from God. Forgiving others is necessary to receive forgiveness from God. And in our limited time today, well, really limited, I will focus on explaining what these verses mean in the context of the whole Bible. It will probably open some doors for discussion, which is good, okay? To discuss is good. My hope after this sermon is that our discussions will be grounded in sound biblical theology so that instead of becoming more confused, we become more clear over time as we discuss, as we pray, and as we live out this principle of forgiveness. Okay? That's the goal. So first, in order to understand what these verses mean, um, I often find it helpful to examine what it doesn't mean. Because often we have misconceptions, uh, maybe based on how people have taught us in the past, or how we have misread the scripture uh, out of context, uh, or because of popular culture that we are immersed in, we misunderstand um, these verses. And so um, what it does not mean, it does not mean that our redemption, our entrance into eternal life are in any way dependent on us forgiving other people. Okay, let's read some verses from the, from the Bible. One of the most familiar verses, John chapter 3, verse 16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. 1 John chapter 2, verse 2, He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours but also for the sins of the whole world. 1 John chapter 4, verse, uh, verse 10. This is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. And so church, our admission into eternal life, our acceptance and adoption into God's family is in no way, shape, or form dependent on anything we do. It should be a relief to all of us. We are sinners through and through. We are saved because God loves us and has given us, uh, forgiven us for our sins on the basis of Christ's sacrifice on the cross alone. And so in Matthew chapter 26, verse 28, Jesus said as he held up the cup, the first communion cup, and said, this is my blood, uh, uh, my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many the forgiveness of sins. And so even the first disciples, the apostles, uh, also understood this truth. We read 
In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7, Paul said this, In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. Christ took all our sin, past, present, and future, and paid the penalty in full. When we believe in Christ and accept His sacrifice, God forgives us of our sins and welcomes us into eternity with Him. And friends, if you have not done that, today can be that day where you receive Christ into your life and allow Him to welcome you into eternity with Him. Here, I, I want to make sure we understand what forgiveness in this case means. Okay. To say that God has forgiven our sins is to say that He is no longer angry at us for sinning against Him. He has covered our sin and He removes the sin far away from us and He no longer looks at them or judges us according to them. Let's read from the Old Testament, Micah chapter 7, verse 18 to 19. Who is a God like you? who pardons sin and forgives the transgression of the remnant of his inheritance. You do not stay angry forever, but delight to show mercy. You will again have compassion on us. You will tread our sins underfoot and hurl all our iniquities into the depths of the sea. What I just read to you is, is the New International Version. If we look at the English Standard Version, you will see that the word forgives is translated as passing over. Does that ring a bell? Passing over. Here's the uh, ESV. Um, Who is a God like you, pardoning iniquity and passing over transgression for the remnant of his inheritance? So to be forgiven by God is for God to pass over or pass by our sins because we are now covered by the blood of Christ. God no longer sees our sin. He no longer treats us the way we deserve, which is to die and perish as a result of sins. But instead, God positions us. He positions us in a way where we are no longer attached or associated with our sins. And so the, the Lord God says in Isaiah here, I, I am he who blots out our transgressions uh, for my own sake and I will not remember your sins. And then in Hebrews 10 too, we are told that Jesus' sacrifice cleanses us, as I proclaimed on our behalf just now, that we are cleansed from our sins once and for all. He does not remember our sins. He forgets about them as if it never happened. Now, God doesn't forget things like, you know, we humans do. What it really means is that he purposefully not look at them anymore. He purposefully not treat us according to our sins. Okay, so that's not, that's not what the verse means. It does not mean that our redemption and our salvation is, is hung on how we forgive others. It is hung on what Christ has already done on the cross. So ho hopefully that's clear for us. But what does it mean then? For this verse to say, um, 
but if you, uh, verse 15 especially, but if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. Now, Matthew 6 does not teach that our eternal destiny is based on us forgiving others. However, it does. It does teach that our relationship with God will be damaged, will be tarnished, will be affected if we refuse to pardon those who have offended us. To help us understand this, I'm going to introduce two terms for us to categorize these, these thoughts. Um, positional forgiveness and relational forgiveness. What does it mean by positional forgiveness? It refers to what we just talked about. It is the forgiveness from God where we can experience a change in our position from being a sinner condemned to the eternity in hell to being in a position where we are redeemed by the blood of Christ enter into eternal life. We receive this positional forgiveness from God by, by grace through faith in Christ. We know this. And those who have received this positional forgiveness are called Christians. We're called Christians. They're followers of, of Jesus. And they are those who can rightfully call our God Father. Now, relational forgiveness is what we want to talk about and what I'm about to talk about today. It is the forgiveness that Christians continually need from God on a daily basis because we still sin. We are still sinners. It is the day-to-day -day cleansing we receive when we confess our sins in order to restore fellowship with our Heavenly Father. Now, I'm really glad that Elisa led us into confession this morning. She had already preached my sermon, if you guys were here, in Powerhouse. <clears throat> this daily cleansing is what Christians need. I know some Christians think that we do not bother you know, we, we just don't bother to confess our sins anymore. Perhaps because we think that positional forgiveness is all we need. They think that, you know, now God has already redeemed us and I'm adopted into his eternal family. So why do I have to like bring up what I'm doing wrong anymore? Let's not talk about it. Let's talk about the good stuff. But that's not the full story, you see. That is not the full gospel of Jesus we see in this passage that those who call God Father are instructed to ask to pray. Christians are instructed to pray, forgive our debts. When we sin as Christians, our intimacy and fellowship with God is broken. It's broken. It's not figurative. It's broken. The fellowship needs restoration. To say a Christian never has to confess their sin and ask for forgiveness again is to say like a son or daughter never has to apologize or admit their wrongs to their earthly parents ever again. If I did something wrong, let's say to offend my dad, you know, I, I wouldn't for a moment think that he would abandon or disown me. I, I wouldn't think that. I think he loves me enough that no matter what wrong I do, he wouldn't say, you're no longer my son. But I also... You know, if I never confess my wrongdoings and ask for his forgiveness, what do you think my relationship with him would be like for the rest of our lives? 
Here's a biblical illustration to help us understand this relational forgiveness. In John chapter 13, um, right before the Passover meal, Jesus washes his disciples' feet. And I think we all, like most of us know why, in the first, in first century Palestine, people walked around wearing sandals, and so their feet would become dusty, and it is customary for their feet to be washed by servants if they enter into someone's home to have a communal meal because they, they eat while reclined, and so you might stick your feet into someone's food or someone's face. Jesus took on the servant's role to wash his disciples' feet. And when it got to Peter, when it got to Peter, notice their interactions. John chapter 13, starting verse 6. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, What I am doing to you, uh, what am I doing, you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. Now, Jesus here is referring to how he has the authority to forgive sins and how he would serve and love his disciples to the end by paying the penalty of their sins. Now, even though Jesus told Peter he may not understand now, but he will understand later. Was, was Peter a patient? No, he was stubborn and refused Jesus' offer to wash his feet. And so Peter said here in verse 8, No, no, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered, Unless I wash you, you have no part in me. In other words, if you don't let me do this washing for you, Peter, then you and I would have no fellowship. Not only was Peter stubborn, but he was also impatient. Let's read on. Verse 9. <clears throat> uh, then, Lord, uh, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. And Jesus answered, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean. And you are clean, though not every one of you. What does this mean? Now, this passage, this passage is very familiar to us and is usually taught to show the humility of Christ, how he humbled himself to be a servant. But let's hone in on this response of Jesus. It's important for us uh, to understand today. He said that Peter, as, as stubborn and as impatient he may be, Peter is a genuine follower of Christ and is already completely clean. Jesus said that not everyone, though, not every one of the disciples were clean. And who was not clean? It was Judas, Judas of Iscariot. That's right. Even though he was among the disciples, one of the 12, one of the closest people with Jesus during his ministry, he was not a genuine follower of Jesus. And Jesus knew that and he was not clean. But again, Peter, let's focus on Peter. Because of his genuine faith in Christ, he was clean. And the sins from his past, present, and future, just like all of us who claim ourselves to uh, have faith in Christ, were fully and completely forgiven of our sins. And Jesus, Jesus uses an everyday illustration of being bathed, taking a bath, to signify what it means to be completely cleansed. Now, this bathing symbol is still very familiar to us because we do that at our church when we uh, have baptism. 
When someone gets baptized, it symbolizes the cleansing of sin. That is complete and once and for all. Jesus says this, the one who has bathed does not need to wash. He needs only to wash their feet. Just as a bathed person in first century Palestine needed to wash his feet periodically because of the dirt that gets collected while uh, walking around this world daily, we also need periodic cleaning from the tarnish, the dirt, the gunk of living in the flesh in a sin-cursed world. This is what we call sanctification, if you've ever heard this word sanctification, a process of cleaning, of cleansing, done by the power of the Holy Spirit who lives within us, us Christians. And it was what Paul refers to in Ephesians 5, 26 as the washing of water by the word. And the washing is given to equip us for every good work as mentioned in 2 Timothy chapter 3. The forgiveness that Jesus instructs us to ask for in this prayer is for restoring intimacy with our Heavenly Father whenever we displease Him. And that still happens, doesn't it? Looking at verse 15, the forgiveness in this sense is what God threatens to withhold from Christians who refuse to forgive others. Jesus instructs us to build into our prayers a request for God to forgive us in the same way that we have forgiven others who have harmed us. If there are those we have not forgiven when we ourselves pray for forgiveness, then practically speaking, logically speaking, we are asking God not to restore the right relationship with us after we sin. That would be a strange prayer to pray. In fact, there's a parable that Jesus told his disciples to illustrate this strange phenomenon called the parable of the unforgiving servant. We're not going to read the text, but I'll summarize it for us in Matthew 18. In this parable, a servant owes his king 10,000 talents. Do you know how much 10,000 talents is? One talent is 20 years worth of wages for labor. One talent. So 20 talents, that's, that's 400 years worth of wages. It's an insane amount. Now, we don't know how the servant manages to owe this much money, but we were told that he is unable to repay. And so the servant fell on his knees begging the king, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. Then out of pity, the king forgave him of his debt. He just forgave him of his debt. In other words, not only was the king patient with him, but that he completely forgave his debt. But then the story continues, where the servant finds a fellow servant who owes him a hundred denarii. And a hundred denarii is roughly uh, three months' worth of wages for a laborer. Significantly smaller amount than than 10,000 talents. But instead of forgiving his fellow uh, servant's debt like his master did to him, 
he seized him, choked him, and threw him into prison. Not only has he forgotten about the mercy that he has received from his king, but he was cruel enough to throw his friend into prison so that he can't work anymore, and without working, he would never be able to repay him. And finally, when the king found out about this, he said, You wicked servant, I forgave you that debt because you plead with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servants as I had mercy on you? The king then delivered the wicked servant to the jailers until he should pay all his debts. And the parable ends at verse 35. I'll read this for us. So also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. to emphasize the importance of restoring broken relationships with our brothers and sisters, Jesus states that asking for God's forgiveness for one's own sins, all the while withholding forgiveness for someone else, is not only bizarre, but hypocritical. We cannot possibly walk with God in true fellowship if we refuse to forgive others. And to be clear, an unforgiving spirit is a serious sin that we have to understand and face. And this sin should be confessed to God. If we have unforgiveness in our hearts against someone else, then we are acting in a way that is not pleasing to God. This makes our prayers, this makes our proper living relationship with God difficult. God will not hear our prayers unless we also show ourselves ready to grant forgiveness. And forgiveness, forgiveness uh, sorry, unforgiveness. Unforgiveness is a sin that causes bitterness in our lives. The Bible warns us about this in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15. See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. If there is bitterness in your heart, if there is unforgiveness in your heart, brothers and sisters, you need to confess it to God. And you need to forgive that brother, sister, friend, family member, colleague, in your heart in order for your prayer to be heard again by God. In order for you to receive the joy and freedom of forgiveness from God that reestablishes your intimacy with Him. Um, towards the end now, uh, let me just share with you a prayer, an honest prayer written by uh, a guy called Can Sandy. Uh, He's an author uh, whose book I will introduce later, uh, but I want to uh, introduce his prayer to us. He's, he prays, God, I cannot forgive him in my own strength. In fact, I do not want to forgive him, at least until he has suffered for what he did to me. He does not deserve to get off easy. 
Everything in me wants to hold it against him and keep a high wall between us so he can never hurt me again. But, but your word warns me that unforgiveness will eat away at my soul and build a wall between you and me. More importantly, you have shown me that you made the supreme sacrifice, giving up your own son in order to forgive me. Lord, please help me to want to forgive. Please change my heart and soften it so that I no longer want to hold this against him. Change me so that I can forgive and love him the way you have forgiven and loved me. Forgiving is often a difficult task. Sometimes we feel it's even impossible. But Christians are not exempt from having an unforgiving heart. We just become more sensitive to it. As we mature in Christ, that sensitivity toward our own sins grow. We are more aware of how we are sinning. That sensitivity, that sensitivity towards our sinfulness is there so that we can once again be drawn near and to rely on God. So may the Lord bless you. May the Lord help you to forgive others in your heart so that your prayers will, be, will not be hindered and that your relationship with God is restored. To end, I, I want to share some practical steps. I want to share practical steps and some homework for you. I want to share it because I've received feedback that you guys want things to be more practical. And I also believe that forgiveness is a difficult, difficult lesson, even for myself. And I, I, I'm still learning. And so I want to share with you what's been helpful for me. I want to share with you what I think will be helpful for us as a church to learn together. Um, first, I want to invite us to go home, meditate on Scripture. Look at Psalm 32. Pay attention to what God is revealing to your heart as you read and meditate on this psalm. Second, practice daily confession of sins. Just because you're a Christian saved by grace, that does not exempt you from sinning in this world now. And it certainly does not exempt you from needing to confess your sin to God whenever you've sinned against God. So when you actually do confess your sin daily, part of the introspection and self-examination is to ask, have I forgiven others who have wronged me? And if you're not sure, and sometimes I understand we can be confused, then ask, do I feel any bitterness toward anyone today? Am I bitter towards anyone today? 1 John um, chapter 1, verse 9 to 10, such a great encouragement. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, though, we make God out to be a liar and His word is not in us we are invited to confess our sin. And if we do, God will forgive us. But don't make God into a liar by saying, I have not sinned. I don't sin. 
I don't need to confess to God anything. Third, read the book that I just quoted from. It's called The Peacemaker, A Biblical Guide to Resolving Personal Conflict. Read the book. Uh, In fact, I already had a chance to introduce this book over this past week uh, to a brother. And um, I think the Lord really works among us. Holy Spirit leads us. Things just come in, 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 in waves and in piles, you know, just, just like how Elisa is able to already preach the gospel, the, the message that I just uh, shared with you today. I think, I think the Lord knows that we need this. We need to work on our forgiveness as a church. Um, yeah, I know forgiveness is the thing uh, many of us struggle with. It's complex, it's difficult, it's, it's usually not uh, simple and easy. But if we're serious about Jesus, uh, following Jesus, and if we understand how important this is to God, then I think we should just put in the time and be serious about growing in this area. And finally, if you are currently in conflict with someone and you have no idea how to go about it, how to go about forgiving this person, well, you're in a church. Speak and seek guidance from someone more mature in the church. Sin works best when it is hidden, when you don't tell anyone about it, when you hide. Once confessed and exposed, it loses, sin loses its grip and power on you. But when we leave it to fester, it can lead to harmful consequences for ourselves and for others. And so together with our brothers and sisters, Pray the prayer that the Lord is teaching us. Forgive our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. In conclusion, just want to remind us of the main point. Forgive to be forgiven. Forgiving others is necessary to receive forgiveness from God. When we forgive others, we honor God. That is also when we can approach God for Him to forgive us and cleanse us, sanctify us, so that we can enjoy intimacy with God again. Amen.